Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hit the Bell with me, Matias Burbell. I am thrilled to be here this week, man. Awesome show lined up for you guys. I have Eric Jackman. That's right, Eric Jackman. Uh, some people know him as New York Rick. You can follow him on Twitter at New York Rick. He is the social media director at MMAfighting.com. Also co-hosting and being and filling host for the MMA Hour when Ariel Hawani's not in there. He's been a part of Ariel Hawani's show for as long as I've actually known uh, Eric. So it's going to be a pleasure to have him on the show today to break down UFC Vegas 83 taking place in Las Vegas. It was supposed to take place in China, but with all the Asian talent uh, being left on the ca- left off the card with injuries and whatnot and, and just, you know, them not being able to make their fights and, and rescheduling, the UFC has put this fight in Las Vegas. So that's going to be some badass stuff this Saturday. Also, lots of fight news uh, popping this week. New fights being added. Let me give you some right now, right off the list, because a friend of the show, Dan Dynamite Ige, uh, has just been signed to fight Lerone Murphy in February in Las Vegas. Badass fight for Dan coming up soon in Las Vegas. Can't wait to have him back on the show and, and catch up with Dan. Also, Bryce Mitchell will step in on short notice to fight Josh Emmett at UFC 296. In December, uh, Josh Emmett was supposed to fight Giga Chikatsi, but this week we saw a video come out that Giga tore his groin while at practice. He was throwing a kick, and right when he threw it, he went down in pain, and that was it for Giga Chikatsi. Turns out he tore his groin, so he will not be fighting, and just like that, man, the kid from Arkansas, Bryce Mitchell, on short notice against Josh Emmett, and guess what? I like Bryce Mitchell going into that fight. I think he submits, takes down Josh Emmett. And cements himself as a title contender in the featherweight division. Big time fight coming up for Bryce Mitchell. Who actually just recently beat Dan Ige in his last fight. That was Dan's last fight against Bryce Mitchell. Crazy how both guys uh, get in a fight real quick. Just days apart from each other. And also Brandon Moreno will be fighting Amir Albazi February 24th. As a co-main event in Mexico City. In Mexico in Mexico City, so that's a badass fight for Brandon Moreno in front of his people, 
But let's not forget that Brandon Moreno is also being a fill-in fighter December 16th for Pantoja and Brandon Roy Val at UFC 296. So if anybody is to bow out, you know, like Alexander Pantoja or Brandon Roy Val, uh, Brandon Moreno will be filling in and he will be fighting for that championship belt yet again. So lots of news around Brandon Moreno and, and his upcoming fights, I guess you could say. Man, it would be crazy to see Moreno back in there. You know, Brandon Roy Val, Alexander Pantoja, that's a badass fight. But we know how the fight game goes. You know, so a guy could get hurt just like that, or a guy could get sick after cutting all the weight, especially when it goes down to cutting the 125. So, you know, you never know. You, you never know what's going to happen. So Brandon Moreno, have him on your radar no matter what, because even if he isn't the fill-in uh, fighter at UFC 296, we will see him in February uh, fighting Amir Albazi in a title eliminator type of fight. Uh, more MMA news around, and I can't wait to talk about this with Eric for a little bit. Ian Gary, you know, Ian Gary has been in the spotlight for quite some time now uh, because of his fighting and, and also because of his antics, you know, recently. He was the guy who was supposed to fight Jeff Neal. Uh, he wore a Jeff Neal mugshot shirt to the weigh-ins and, and, to, and to fight week, excuse me, when he showed up. Jeff Neal didn't even end up making that fight, which was, you know, but at the same time, Ian Gary making the news however way he can make it and... Right here, this is some news that's pretty crazy, and it's and it's honestly been growing uh, with time, and, and people have been putting their thoughts on it, you know, giving their opinions about it. As in Sean Strickland, recently being on video calling out Ian Gary, but also <laughs> calling on his wife, uh, Layla Machado Gary. And, and let me give you some context on what's going on. You know, while Ian Machado Gary would have been focused on wanting to fight at UFC 296. The Irishman has been making headlines for, for other reasons lately, and that is because the UFC welterweight and his wife, Layla Machado-Gary, formerly known as Layla Ann Lee, you know, wrote a book on how to be a wag about 12 years ago, you know, almost, you know, more than a decade ago. And now she is married to Ian Gary, who's 26 years old. Layla is 40 years old, you know. Uh, she talks about how you could pick up a young, a young future superstar, you know, hence Ian Gary. And it's been just making a lot of headlines, you know, lots and lots of headlines because of the book. And obviously Layla says that it was a satire book, you know, written during the World Cup. And she hardly calls it a book. It was a 12 page satire. And now it's being taken out of context. Sean Strickland has came out. And just completely derailed the whole thing and, and pretty much calling out Layla, saying like, oh, you know, you know what you're doing. And Ian Gary, you know, get out of the relationship, you're getting played, like blah, blah, blah. You know, he's doing the whole antagonizing thing, the whole Sean Strickland thing. And, and Ian Gary actually showed up to where Sean Strickland trains in his gym. And, and there was some stairs. Uh, they had to be separated. I, I, you know, I guess Ian Gary was mad dogging, you know, Sean Strickland throughout the whole entire time there. So obviously there's some bad blood spewing and, and sure. And right there, Sean Strickland, you know, he leaves the gym. He's kind of laughing about it. He goes into his car and makes a video and he makes a video and, and sends it and sends it to Ian Gary, pretty much telling him like, what's good. You know, don't stare at me. If you want to stare at me like that, you know where I live, let's fight. Let's, you know, I, he doesn't want to fight him, but if he's going to stare at him the way that he's staring at him, 
you know, let's just get to the business and take care of, uh, you know, take care of the business and, and you know, <laughs> actions speak louder than words. You know what I'm saying? So the, the crazy story right there. And, and, and it's nuts because it's not even in the same division. He, you know, Sean Strickland is the middleweight champion of the world today. And Ian Gary is, is fighting in the welterweight division. But at the same time, Ian Gary could always go up and wait. He said that he, he, he wouldn't care. You know, he wouldn't mind on becoming the middleweight champion of the world first before becoming the welterweight champion of the of the world first. So, uh, you know, lo lots of uh, inside MMA drama going down with uh, with Ian Gary and Sean Strickland and, and also Layla's wife. And, and let's not get this twisted either. Layla came out and, and defended herself and defended, you know, what she wrote back in the day, you know, during the Men's World Cup when she was covering the Men's World Cup and, and doing all these little pieces. Uh, it's some funny stuff. And, and the story is definitely going to get bigger once we get closer to fight week when Ian Gary, you know, is slated to fight against his former teammate, Vicente Luque. So there's been some bad blood spewing right there. And there's people that don't like that Ian Machado Gary is actually fighting Vicente Luque, including his former gym partner, who is the welterweight champion of the world, Leon Edwards. And there's more news surrounding that as well. And we're going to get to that. And, and I can't wait to open this even more up with Eric Jackman from MMAfighting.com and just break down these upcoming fights, but also get his take on Ian Gary and the whole situation, which is which is funny stuff to me, man. It's true radio gold, uh, in my opinion. But with that said, we have Eric Jackman coming up around the corner. Uh, say, you know, buckle up. It's time to get jiggy with it. And also, guys, my NFL picks for week 14 coming up hot. At the end of the show, we're going to give you my best bets for the MMA, you know, for, for, for UFC Vegas 83. And also... All my picks from top to bottom for the NFL. And, and I can't wait because we were on fire last week. And, and you know I want to carry that momentum into this week. Also, Copa America, the draw is out. Big time soccer guy right here. So you know we're going to be breaking down Copa America. I'm a big international guy. And, and the, the draw is out. And it's going to be taking place all around the United States. So, so fun time stuff coming up in South America as it, they will be taking over the United States. Awesome stuff. All that and more. But Eric Jackman is due up. He's ready to rock. All that and more on Hit the Bell with me. The PS for Bell. Stay tuned. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, the party has just begun. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Fight fans, welcome back to Hit the Bell with me, Matthias Rebell, on Sports Grid Radio and Television Networks. We are rolling, baby, Sirius XM Channel 159 with Carver and Lisi, but this is Hit the Bell, and big time guest coming up right now, Eric Jackman. That's right, Eric Jackman. Some of you guys and women know him as New York Rick. You can follow him on Twitter at New York Rick. He is the social media director at MMAfighting.com. You can also find him on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani, also doing awesome work with Ariel, filling in when he's gone and doing all that great work on MMA for a very, very long time. Eric, welcome back to Hit the Bell, baby. It's, it's an awesome pleasure to have you back. Matias, it's always my pleasure. Love talking to you. Happy to do it anytime. No, oh, man. Big time stuff coming up. Uh, UFC Vegas 83 is right around the corner. Big time fights coming up. But also, a big time pay-per-view December 16th, just two weeks away from tomorrow. It, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? I, I cannot wait for the, for the upcoming fight cards, uh, specifically UFC 296, man. Uh, right before we get to it, I know that there's been some news on this card already. Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, Alexander Pantoja, Brandon Royval, Tony Ferguson, Patty Pimblett, Ian Gary, Vicente Luque. You know, right before you jumped on my, you know, opening segment, I had to jump on and talk about Ian Gary a little bit, you know, considering all the news around his wife, Layla Machado Gary, and him fighting Vicente Luque. Leon Edwards coming out today and and and, and talking about you know, Ian Gary and why he's not a part of their gym, not just because he's a welterweight, but also because of the culture that he brings to the gym and the cameras being around, he, him always bringing, bringing his wife to the gym every single time. You know, it's like a spotlight type of theater with Ian Gary, it seems like. Do you think that Ian Gary is getting too big for his own good right now? Do you think that he's, he's starting to become a little distracted of the true goal, which is becoming a champion first? you know, instead of the theater first, you know what I mean? He kind of has the whole Conor McGregor thing, and it almost seems like a gimmick. Like, he almost seems like he's doing everything that Conor was. He's not really his own person, in my opinion. Uh, what do you think about this before we get to the fights and, and Ian Gary and, and the whole news revolving around his wife and, and the distractions that come along with it? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I definitely agree that you're right to a certain extent that he's following a game plan laid out by Conor McGregor, but I do think there's a little bit of a different take on it for, for Ian he's living like very transparently. Right. And what he's doing is everything is content. Hey, somebody's calling my manager's calling me to book a fight. That's content. Uh, I've trained with this person in the past. That's content Instagram. I'm going to comment on this and that becomes content. So he's created this environment where everything he does is content. Now it's a bit of a double-edged sword, right? Cause now all of a sudden his personal life, his life with his wife and his child and his trainer has now become uh, content as well. So um, I think he's leaning into that. And to be honest, 
it's better to be loved, hated, whatever you think of him, than ignored. And everybody has an opinion on Ian Gary. So I actually think he's doing it right. I actually think in, in this game that's based on promotion and not meritocracy anymore, he's doing something that drives a lot of attention and gets his name out there. And there's lots of fighters who are on this card. Sean Brady coming off um, a really nice win is calling out Ian Gary. Fighters on this card are calling out Ian Gary. Everybody has Ian Gary on their lips. Um, so I think he's actually kind of doing it right. Now, if it distracts from the training, that's a whole different thing. But he does seem like a very motivated and driven type. I have a feeling that in the gym, um, he's fully focused and putting all his attention into it. So uh, I'm kind of thinking that it's it's working, even though it seems like it might be a little bit uncomfortable at the moment for him and, and potentially his family. And that's unfortunate. But I do think what he's doing is working. And I do think ultimately, if he keeps winning, it will propel him to even higher heights and potentially follow that game plan of Conor McGregor. I do agree with you that that his persona is getting bigger and that everybody's talking about him. And you're right. You're 100% right. Sean Brady did call him out and called him the easiest fight in the division. And that reminds me a lot of Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? When he was coming up yeah. and he was saying he's the easiest fight in the division. You know, all I have to do is do this. All we got to do is wrestle. All I got to do is that. And next thing that's you know, right. Conor McGregor is a double champ. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just... That's and it, and it's and you're right. You're, you're actually spot on. So, uh, but at the same time, I'm thinking about his gym etiquette and what comes along with uh, with that. You know what I mean? How how many gyms yeah. are opening their arms to Ian Gary, saying, "I want you to be, come into this gym and, and be a, a captain of my team and you know be a figure of this team." Are there a lot of gyms that want that type of spotlight and want those type of distractions right now? You know, who, what gym is 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 Ian Gary actually currently residing in? You know what I mean? Who's backing him up? Yeah, you're right. There, there is a level of that, and and I think you're you're spot on in terms of if he wants to settle down somewhere or build a team somewhere or figure out a community that he's going to belong to, the coming in and recording every session and then posting the footage and all this stuff is going to cause some some ruffle some feathers as we saw with Leon Edwards and and others have talked about. But he seems like the type who kind of likes this nomad life where he's going to different gyms and training and hopefully he can find enough that open the doors to him. And maybe he'll, he'll change his approach. Um, but in the meantime, for now, it's creating these rivalries and, and people are talking about Ian Gary and Leon Edwards in the same breath. That's the Walter Ray champion of the UFC. No other person at the level that Ian Gary's been at is going to automatically be in a conversation with a champion of a, of a division. So it, it could cause some discomfort um, especially when it comes to that gym etiquette and, and finding homes. But I definitely think that the strategy will work for now. Hopefully, you know, maybe long-term the strategy changes, but for now it's fast-tracking him toward these opportunities that I think he really wants. No, that's good stuff. Last question about uh, Ian Gary, because we can't have a whole show about this Irishman right now, man. <laughs> but what do you think that he's going to be the welterweight champion of the world? Do you think, do you think oh, that's wow. going to happen? Mm. You know what? I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge believer in Ian Gary as a champion. Um, I become. Uh, let me say it this way: I wasn't initially, and every fight he actually improves to the degree that I start to become more of a believer. So I don't know if I'm not a believer, but I started as not a believer, and every fight he seems to be a little more complete, a little sharper, a little more dangerous, and he's he's making me kind of believe that he he possibly could be. Uh, right now, today, if you ask me, I'm going to say no from what I've seen so far. But every time he fights, he adds something new and is more impressive. If he continues to do that, I'm going to have to do a reassessment after every single fight like I have been doing. And maybe there's a world where I say, yeah, this guy really can be. 
At the moment, I think that there's a little bit too much of a tough sledding at the top of the welterweight division. If you run into a guy like Kamara Usman or Leon Edwards or even Gilbert Burns, that's a different level. Bilal Muhammad, guys like that. Sean Brady. There's, re- there's really just so many guys. But, yeah, I'm going to say no at the moment, but I, I, I want to reserve the right to change my mind if he continues to improve the way he's been improving. No, I'm with you, man. And, and, you know, there's so many things that happen in fights that we watch where you kind of make a psychological, like, no, like footnote. And, and my footnote for Ian Gary in a, in a negative way, because he looks great. And I think if it wasn't for this one thing that, that, that happened in his fight against Song Kanan, who fights this, this weekend, actually, when he, where he got, he, it almost looks like he got knocked out cold for a second, but he managed to survive. You know, he got dropped ice cold. So I, 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 can, I know that he's a little chinny. You know what I mean? It's not like he could take a hit. Yeah. And uh, and stay on his feet, you know. Unlike Max Holloway, you know, Max Holloway gets hit in the chin, like he stumbles a little bit sometimes. But <laughs> Max Holloway don't get dropped, and and we saw Ian Gary get dropped, not easily, but man, he went down like a sack of potatoes against Song Kanon. He survived. He ends up knocking out Song. But I, I always have that memory of him getting knocked down cold. And there are rumors that uh, that um that Ian Gary was knocked out in training against Shavkat Rachmanov pretty good. So. You know, there's all these things in the air, you know, in with MMA with MMA drama and, and MMA circles, man. But it, it, it's some fun things going on right now in the world of MMA. But big time fights coming up. Let's get to them right now, bro, because UFC Vegas 83 is right right around the corner. And starting with the main event, Song Yadong against Chris Gutierrez. Uh, a lot of people don't know who these fighters are. You know, the, guys like you and me, we, we love it. You know, this is a big time fight for. But people who only watch the big time fights. They have no idea who these guys are. But, man, this is a fun fight, and I find this to be an exciting one. And the number at plus 300 for Chris Gutierrez even makes it more intriguing because I don't think that his number should be that high. I, I think it should be a lot lower. Like maybe, you know, I think Song Kanan should maybe be minus 200 or a minus 180 favorite against Chris Gutierrez. But it's a fun fight, and, and I love what Chris Gutierrez had to say in his presser about, you know, being scared. It's like, who says that they're not scared? You know what I mean? Like, that's nonsense. Like, that's bullshit, as he said. Like, of course he's scared. You know, of course he's scared. You know, it, it, where he's about to get in a crazy fit, fist fight, half naked in front of the whole entire world, and he knows that Song Yadong is a dangerous opponent. But Chris Gutierrez, man, this guy, this isn't his first UFC fight, and he's been in there against Lions. Man, he has 27 professional fights, Chris Gutierrez has, and everybody knows about his powerful leg kicks, and how he knows how to control his distance. You know, there's a reason that he beat Frankie Edgar. There's a reason that he knocked out Dana, who, who's a powerful striker. But this is definitely his strongest test yet. You know, what do you think of this upcoming fight? Who do you got? Yeah, I I do side with Song Yadong. Like, the performance against Ricky Simone, to me, was, like, next level. Like, he was showing. And, and he's been in there. He's been in there with amazing guys. Like, he's been in there with Marlon Marais. He's been in there with Corey Sandhagen. Like, Song Yudong has been tested. He's been in there with Marlon Vera. Song Yudong has been tested since he entered the UFC. And the last performance against Ricky Simone was the one where I was like, wow, this guy is legit. Like, the, the power is there. The striking's there. He's always going to be in every fight. But I've been equally impressed with Chris Gutierrez. Like, his run so far has been really, really impressive to the point that I think he's, you know, one of the more underappreciated, underrated fighters, especially when it comes to the kicking game in the UFC. And so I'm wondering... 
yeah, is that line a little bit off? Is it worth taking a little bit of a dog play on Chris Gutierrez? Maybe, probably. I do side with Song Yadong to win this fight, but I see where you're I see where you're getting appetized by that dog line on Chris Gutierrez because he's been he's so tough. You know he's not gonna beat himself. It's gonna take a, a great performance from Song Yadong to beat him. And if he's having an off night, I could see a world where Chris Gutierrez is able to out tough him and just turn it on. You know, it sounds to me after just digesting everything that you said that the play for this fight isn't the underdog or isn't the favorite. It seems like we got to go with toughness and go with the over. Am I wrong? The yeah. over one and a half? Is that what we're playing here? <laughs> well, over seems three like and a half? Nice little, you, you could go over one and a half, a nice little parlay piece. Maybe you go over two and a half just to be safe. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's some plays there because I think both of these guys are extremely durable, extremely tough. Song Yudong definitely carries power. Um, you can't uh, underestimate that. Like, there's an opportunity for him to end the fight there. Uh, but I think that we're going to see a little bit of a longer fight here because of how tough both guys are. What did you think of Chris Gutierrez's um, presser? What he said that he's scared shit. Like, who, who says he's not scared? And, you know, if you don't think you're scared, you're bullshit. What do you think about his honesty? You know what's funny? You're starting to hear more and more fighters say that. Like, he's not the first, and, I, and, and there's been quite a few recently who basically are calling BS on the fighters that say they walk in there with no nerves. And it's refreshing to hear um, because I think a lot of times we look at these fighters like superheroes and feeling like they could never be scared and um, have no nerves. Um, but, yeah, I respect, I respect the honesty. I also think Chris is in a position where, like, he's building – um, a little bit of a quiet fan base here and people are starting to take notice and support him and build himself up. So I think, I think he's, uh, he's doing everything right. Uh, but I do like to hear that from, from fighters. And we've been hearing it quite a bit recently. We've seen Volkanovsky very recently kind of be vulnerable about his feelings after the uh, Islam Makachev fight. So there's some, uh, there, I feel like there's a, there's a new wave in MMA in terms of what we're kind of getting out of these guys. No, absolutely. And to throw that, throw more onto that, man. I remember Darren Till, you know, when when he was rolling yeah, yeah. before he got knocked knocked out by Masvidal, where he kind of said that he he's you know terrified in the back. He almost wanted to fake an injury so to not go out there and fight because he's just you know he's tripping, <laughs> and that's crazy because that's Darren Till. You know what I mean? Remember Darren Till when he yeah. was up and coming before Masvidal, just like how amazing he was with his hands, his speed, his aggression, his fear. He was fearless. And then you could tell once he gets knocked out, you know, the, your whole, your, your whole mindset changes. You know, you, you're not as secure as you once, as you once were. On the point, like one of the, the, the ones that the, one of the ones that really sticks out in my mind is Cowboy Cerrone, who fought every weekend if he could, and is one of the gamest guys in MMA history. And he's out there saying, like, he's throwing up before fights. Like, he doesn't even want to make the walk. Like, you start to realize how tough uh, mentally this sport is on these guys and what it takes to be a fighter at the highest possible level and just, you know, the utmost respect for anybody, guys and girls who are able to step in there. It's it's absolutely incredible. No, no, it's, it's awesome to see, man. You know, the walk-ups and, and you know, what a fighter does before he even enters the cage is, is always spiritual, but it's always, you know, just – it just preps you perfectly before the fight even starts because it just makes everything just much more intense. You know what I mean? This isn't just some yeah. random random game where, you know, your shooting percentage might not be great. Like, if you miss, you <laughs> might get dropped. You might not wake up for a while. We'll talk about those Cavaliers later, by the way, Eric. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Big time fight coming up for Khalil Roundtree. 
always seemed yes. like he's a big fight away from from really cementing himself in the in the division, but he never really takes that next step. And now here's another opportunity where he takes on legend Anthony Lionheart Smith, Khalil Roundtree minus two fifteen favorite over Lionheart Smith, who's taken this fight on short notice to a degree. What do you think of this fight? Yeah, it's a tough, I got to be honest, I, I love Anthony Smith as both a fighter, like super game, veteran of the sport, has been in so many great fights, but also as a human, know him a little bit. He's a really, really solid dude. And another one when we're talking about honesty, like that dude will always give you an honest answer on anything. But I think this is a really tough fight, especially on on a short notice opportunity to step in against a guy like Khalil Rontree, who seems to be firing on all cylinders right now. He's the type of guy who throughout his early part of his career kind of like, submits a highlight reel KO, followed by a loss, followed by a highlight reel, followed by some weird decision. You can't, he couldn't really string it all together right now. It really seems like he's stringing it all together. And when he is in there, he's one of the most violent fighters I can remember. Just his, his viciousness in terms of the striking when people are down and he's throwing kicks to the body, he's an absolute savage. And this feels like a really tough fight for Anthony. I got to be honest. Now that said, you think about a guy who he fought last fight in Ryan Spann, who's also a really dangerous, powerful, vicious type of dude, and he was able to weather the storm there and get it done. So I think if he's able to get it done, if Anthony Smith is able to get it done here, it's going to be a similar thing where he's going to have to go through hell with the first little bit with Khalil Roundtree, and then he might be able to pull it off in the later rounds. If you think back to the uh, Dustin Jacoby fight with uh, Khalil Roundtree, Khalil came out hot, had Dustin in trouble. First two rounds looked like he was cruising, all of a sudden, Dustin was able to find his tempo, find his speed, and he started to come on in the third, and it seemed like he could you know, potentially edge it out if he was able to push harder. So Khalil Roundtree's gas tank is going to be a concern, is going to be something that you have to keep an eye on. Early, I'd expect it to be all Khalil. But if Anthony can get it into the later round, then maybe it's going to be an opportunity for him to win the fight. But it's, I, I think it's going to be very tough early. I'm with you, man. I think Khalil Roundtree takes out his legs. I think he kicks yeah. the hell out of his legs early, takes away that power that he has, but also slows him down. We've seen Anthony Smith have trouble with his legs in the past, and, and we've seen Khalil Roundtree, like you said, man. He has viral kicks, and, and I feel like they, they even got better because I remember watching him on The Ultimate yeah. Fighter. You know, in The Ultimate Fighter, we knew him for his power, but not really for his leg kicks, but then he moves over to Thailand with Tiger Muay Thai, and ever since he moved to Thailand, bro, it's just kind of like, a more, a more calm, dangerous fighter because when he strikes, he might not strike a lot, but when he does strike, he strikes with power and he's accurate, right? Like, holy smokes. Yeah. What Thailand did for he him is, was crazy. He is vicious, and he has that Muay Thai style locked in right now. And you look at this four-fighter win streak he's on, it's impressive. It's impressive. Even in that Dustin Jacoby fight, which, you know, you look at it on paper, was, you know, a three-round decision, uh, a split decision, but – for those first two rounds, he was giving Dustin hell. And Dustin is extremely tough as well. So, yeah, this this dude is – I think he, this is his time right now. If he can put together a nice little run here, the light heavyweight division is wide open. I think there's a real opportunity for him. Uh, so I, I'm expecting that he might he might be able to go on a streak here and really put himself in a, in a title conversation, especially with a name like Anthony Smith now on his resume. He's kind of been building and building and building. This is a top-ranked, like, long-established veteran of the division that really puts you in title talks. 
No, that's a, it's a fun fight for sure. I can't wait for this one. So I don't think it's going to a decision. That's for sure. Somebody's going to break. We are talking to Eric Jackman, a.k.a. New York Rick. You can follow him on Twitter at New York Rick. He is the social media director at MMAfighting.com. Also filling in for Errol Hawani and being with Errol Hawani, man, for a long time on the MMA Hour. Eric is a man, man. He straight up knows so much about MMA, the insides and the outs. And we are rolling right now. UFC Vegas 83 right around the corner. We are breaking down some fights. And it's time for the Iron Turtle. I got to get your take on the Iron Turtle because this guy has been climbing the ranks, bro. This guy, he gets better every single fight. You know, don't let his looks, you know, make you think he's going to get knocked out. Sometimes he's not the most intimidating guy. You know, when you look at him, but at the same time, this guy knows how to fight. And he is minus 180 against Andre Munez, who, you know, when you look at Andre Munez, he just looks like a Herculean, you know, BJJ professional. But this guy gasses out, man. And the Iron Turtle, he gets better with age. He gets better with time. That guy, what do you think? I think second round TKO for the Turtle. And everybody who's going to bet on this fight... It's probably going to get a little nervous because Muniz might win the first round, but he ain't going to win the fight. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think you've kind of nailed it. Like, when you look at Andre Muniz, like, he had a super hot start to his UFC career, looked like a, an uber prospect. And then when people started taking him to deeper waters, it started to fall apart. And you start to wonder... How long, you know, is is he a, what they call a glass cannon? You know, is it is he he finishes or gets finished and and gets smashed? So I think he's going to be dangerous early. Um, I think there's going to be an opportunity if he can get uh, if he can get the Iron Turtle down where he can impose his will. But as the fight goes longer and longer, as you said, Iron Turtle is tough as they come, and I think that he's going to probably outlast. Um, Andre Muniz to the point that maybe we're, we're, ta- we're talking about a second or third round finish but another guy like I just said about Khalil Roundtree it seems like it's his time right now it really seems like there's an opportunity for him to go on a nice little run um, so yeah we, we have to side with the Iron Turtle the people uh, as you mentioned I'm, I'm, uh, I work on the MMA hour with Ariel Hawani this is the number one most requested guest we have right now. The Iron Turtle it has the huge fan base that people want to see. Ariel talk to this guy. If he can get it done, it seems like we're lining up uh, for an Iron Turtle interview. So let's see if uh, if he can make it five in a row in the UFC. And then on Monday, we might see the Iron Turtle, Iron Turtle on the MMA Hour. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, now, I like this guy a lot as a fighter. He, he's exciting, man, and he's tough as nails, and he's been making me money. So when he fights, it's just kind of like, woo, baby, open the bank account. Let's go. <laughs> I don't want to jinx yeah, it, but let's I go. Feel like, I feel like he's been a dog in a lot of these fights, and now they're finally starting to give him the respect he deserves because, yeah, he's tough as nails, and the dude's been putting it on people. Um, you know, Durayev is, is not a, sh- a schlub and he absolutely smoked them. So yeah, I'm, uh, I've been impressed. I've been really impressed. I, th- I think that's what makes me so happy. I think I, w- I was afraid of the Durayev fight, but you know, when you're rolling with somebody, you got to keep rolling. Right. So I'm like, you know what, let's go iron turtle. Like this is a scary fight. So when, when he won that fight, I was jumping for joy. I'm just kind of like, you know, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it all along. <laughs> <laughs> you know, good stuff, man. I, I can't wait for this fight. Honestly, this one's the one that I have circled the most because I am low-key an Iron Turtle fan. So let's go, baby. But you know what? who else I'm a fan of? Man, I, I'm a fan of Groovy Tim Elliott because he fights with a groovy style. And, and this is a type of fight where he usually wins. I think he's going to lose against Suma Darji. I think that the, I think that the short notice is, is too much to overcome right now. I, you know what I mean? It's just... 
it, it would be stunning if he won because to, to, to jump in there just like that after the whooping that he kind of took against Mokaev, you know, I, I didn't, I, I just don't think it was the right time for him to jump in there. And Sumadarji's good. You know, he's long. He can strike. He's a good kickboxer. You know, he's shown his toughness in his previous fight against Matt Schnell, which is literally, I think, the best fight that I've seen in a long, long time. Like, I love that fight. Amazing fight. Amazing fight. Go go rewatch that fight, ladies and gentlemen. Sumadarji against Matt Schnell. And just, just, you know, it's a type of fight where it makes you love MMA all over again. It's just like, this is why we watch. You know, heart, intensity, competitiveness. The whole deal. It was amazing to watch. But this is a, a different fight for him. You know, Tim Elliott is a weird opponent. And I think this is where Tim Elliott wins his fights with, with wrestling. And it's not the most fun fights to watch. But it's a type of fight where he just keeps taking his opponent to the ground. And it's just gassing him out. And that's like you're pretty much, you know, getting up from your back the entire fight. So that's why this is a type of fight where I, I'm probably going to bet the underdog in Sumadarji Because... You know, I just think the short notice is too much to overcome. But holy smokes, dude, it's a scary fight to bet because Tim Elliott, you know, this is where he wins. You know, this is, this is where he makes his yeah. living. Like, I got I got to go the other way. I, I feel like it's going to be Elliott's fight for exactly what you just outlined. Like, I think he's going to make it grimy. I think he's going to make it dirty. I think he's going to be in the clinch uh, landing uppercuts. I think he's going to take him down, and I think he's going to grind on him. And I can just see the Tim Elliott 29-28 unanimous decision kind of outcome like it feels like one of those matchups so i'm i'm thinking it's going to be elliot getting back on track and i think it's it's going to be in that way you just described that kind of gritty dirty grindy type performance that's why that's why i'm afraid of it bro that's why i'm afraid yeah. of it that's why i'm like oh my god but to see it to, you know i assume darji is a good fighter you know he's a really good kickboxer yeah he, absolutely he can't, he can't connect he, he can't knock down elliot but we've seen, and like you said, man, like that's why Elliot's really good because we've seen him get knocked down before, but he doesn't stay down. You know, that's where he that's where he grabs and puts you along the fence, and and all that momentum you just got from that drop is just gone because he's just resting and and using his weight to you know to get his, his <laughs> to get his mind right. I guess you could say for for choice of a lesser word, like. <laughs> but this this is this is a fun fight, man. Uh, not Nas, um, excuse me, Nasrat Hakparas against Jamie Malarkey. Another fun fight coming up. Malarkey plus 165. Is there any way that you're playing Malarkey at plus 165 as a dog, considering how many fights Hawk Bross has lost in the last five years? You know, I know that he has better boxing, but man, when a guy loses as much as Hawk Bross has lost, it's kind of hard to back him. I, I kind of like Malarkey here. I, I, this this might be a little bit of a dog sprinkle for me. I'm, I'm a fan of Malarkey. I think he's got some, not, not only is does he have a, a little bit of a funky style, but he's also got a little bit of, of a funky body shape and he's a weird kind of guy to get um, your hands around. So I kind of like Malarkey in this spot. I don't love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going out there and saying, you know, take this ticket to the bank and go get a second mortgage, but it might be worth a little bit of a sprinkle on Malarkey in my opinion. Cause I don't, you know, I was high on, on Nasrat Hakparas for a while, but it's seeming like people have kind of figured him out to a certain extent. It seems like we kind of know what he is at this point. And I and I think Malarkey, somebody who's just tough enough, just gritty enough to kind of be in this fight as it goes on. So I think this is like a little bit of a dog play. I'm not, you know, huge on it by any means, but I I do like Malarkey here. I'm with you. I, I'm with you 100. percent And you know what? I, I was kind of disrespectful. I said not Hot Boss has lost a bunch of fights in the last five years. He actually has only lost three fights. Um, 
yeah, three fights in the last five years, and he's actually won a lot more than he's lost. So I don't want to be an asshole against by, by far that. his toughest competition. By the way, too, we're talking Dober, Hooker, Green. Like you know, those are not uh, anybody to sneeze at. So he's he's as he's kind of gone up, he's lost to the higher level of the competition. But I do think there's an opportunity for Jamie Malarkey here for sure. No, absolutely. I think Malarkey wins via TKO. I think he actually knocks him out at some point in this fight. Malarkey wow, has hands, nice. man. He, he he's tough as nails. You know, he is tough. Yeah. Uh, that's the one thing I'll give Malarkey credit for. Like, he's tough. And I remember when he fought Brad Riddell, and, and Riddell knocked him out. But, man, you'd think that the guy would be a little bit more careful going up and, and getting in firefights. But he fights the same way every time. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's, he, doesn't, he, he fears no one. And he fights the same way Malarkey does all the time. And it's fun to watch. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be fun. You know, a, another fun fight I have lined up for you right here. And I, wa- I want to get your take on this because Stephanie Egger... Right now, plus 125, uh, plus 135 on some books as well. She's climbing. And I, I don't know why, because I like Egger. And, and the thing is, Luana Santos, she's a good fighter, but she also didn't make weight. And now she's four yeah. pounds over her weight, which is kind of crazy, because I think that's a lot. Do you think Egger did the right choice on taking this fight? Because, man, four pounds, come on. You know what I mean? That, that's a lot of weight before you even gain yourself back up. Yeah, I I I like the line on Egger more before I knew about the weight miss. Because when you miss by that much, it kind of just shows that like there wasn't a lot of discipline, not a lot of effort, and she's going to be humongous stepping in the cage. So it scares me. You know, it used to be back in the day. It used to be if somebody missed weight, you'd be scared about their preparation and scared of their training. These days, most of the time, when somebody misses weight, they end up winning. It's just because um, they they have some kind of advantage heading into the cage. The numbers on that have shifted quite a bit in terms of people who miss weight. They don't they don't tend to suffer um, the consequences of that uh, when it comes to the in cage product a, a lot anymore. So I'm kind of like scared off the idea of Egger. I, I think there was some value there, but it, when somebody misses weight, it always makes me pause a little bit and probably th- rethink whether I'm going to even play that that fight or not. I'm I'm with you. I, I have the, everything that you just said. That's like that's exactly what I'm think, feeling and thinking. I liked Edgar before the weight miss. You know, she was still an, un- an underdog. But when you see four pounds, man, I'm just kind of like exactly what you said. Like, this is a tactical type of miss. Like, not she wasn't going to yeah. make the weight regardless. So so why cut weight, not make the weight? Let's just hold my advantage. And if she takes a fight because she needs to get paid, Edgar needs to get paid. You know what I mean? She can't just m- miss yep. a fight. You know what I mean? So she's going to take it. She, she doesn't have the same um, the same liability and respect that – um. That, that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson had when, when he decided mm. not to fight Michelle Pereira because Pereira didn't want to cut the weight anymore because he wasn't going to make it regardless. And so it was a tactical thing. And Wonderboy said, you know what? You don't get to fight me. <laughs> like, that's rude. It's disrespectful. It's not professional. You don't get to fight me. Wonderboy has money. You know what I mean? Wonderboy and, has and, a bank account large enough to do these types of decisions, right? And even that got very contentious with, with Wonderboy and the UFC. Uh, maybe very contentious is too much to say, but, you know, there was some back and forth between Wonderboy, his management, the UFC, and all those things to kind of settle that all down after the fact. So, yeah, it's not it's not a common situation where if somebody misses weight, the fighter won't take it. And, you know, after the weigh-ins, it was reported that uh, it will proceed at catch weight and she'll lose 20% of her purse, you know, as as it has come to be many times these days. So, yeah, so don't let's let's not bet Edgar, you know, with that type of whiteness, that's for sure. Dude, I'm not going to be able to talk to you on the show next week, unfortunately. So I got to get some takes coming up for UFC 296. You know, your initial thoughts on these big time coming fight on these big upcoming fights, man. Leon Edwards, Colby Covington 
for example, the main event, do you think there's a new welterweight champion of the world? Do you think Colby finally gets his moment or what? I do. I, I tend to favor Colby. I think now I should say Leon Edwards really, really impressed me in the second fight against Kamaru Usman, the way he was able to use his angles and prevent Kamaru from getting deep on anything um, even close to a takedown and just completely picked them apart. I was extremely impressed. That's a very, that's a very hard style to deal with, but I do think Colby's level of um, tenacity and wrestling is very, very difficult to deal with uh, for most fighters. And I don't see Leon being the type of guy who's going to be able to keep Colby at bay the same way he was able to keep Kamaru at bay. Um, if he does, man, that would be extremely impressive. And, and we've got a, a long reigning welterweight champ ahead of us. Uh, but for me, I, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, say that right now I lean toward Colby Cuppington being able to get it done just with immense pressure getting in uh, Leon's face. He doesn't really need to, unlike Kamaru Usman, Kamaru needs to kind of get the takedowns in order to be effective. Kamaru needs to get you on the ground and then be able to work his game. Colby Covington doesn't even need to do that. He's just going to press you. He's going to pop shot you. He's going to get you against the cage. He's going to make it nasty. He's going to clinch. It, he doesn't really even need to complete his takedowns. He just needs to pressure you. And that's something that he's better that, at than nearly 99% of the game. So I can see when I, when I close my eyes and visualize this fight, I see Colby Covington in, in Leon Edwards' face pressing him against the cage and just getting it done over five rounds. So you see you see Colby Covington, Rafael Dos Anjos, part two, huh? I mean, he's done it to so many guys. It's Robbie Lawler. You, you can just name everybody on his resume. And he, this is how he's done it. He's just pressed them, pressed them, pressed them, and they're standing against the cage looking lost. Um, it's a very impressive style. And why I was so impressed with Kamaru Usman's Walter Reign and how he was able to turn him back and all, almost kind of make him exciting. Like, those fights were actually exciting fights. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it seems like it's going to be a replay of those early Covington uh, contender fights. That's, it's a damn fun fight, man. And, you know, we have another flyweight championship belt of the world is on the line. Alexander Pantoja yeah. against Brandon Royval. What are your initial thoughts on that? Who are you leaning for? Do we think we find a new champion yet again in the division or what? This is so hard to call because Roy Vosman, one of these guys that I've just been like, oh, my God, like if he gets a title opportunity, it's hard for me to think how he's not going to do it. But Pantoja is so tough and so well-rounded and sh like showed the levels to the game, quite frankly. Um, in that fight uh, against Moreno, like I'm a big believer in Pantoja. I'm a, I, I love both these guys. I'm a big believer in both of them. So it's a really weird and difficult position to be in. Typically I'm kind of finding one way or another where I believe in somebody more, but I believe in both of these guys so much. I do tend to lean for toward Pantoja just been in so many big fights has had so many of these different opportunities against top ranked competition has been in five round wars. Like it just feels like it's, it's Pantoja's experience that's going to come through. But if anybody can do it, I, I definitely believe in Brandon Royval as, as one of the top flyweight contenders. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to pull it off, but for the moment I kind of side with Pantoja. No, I'm right there with you. I love Pantoja. Pantoja has made me so much cash you know, going back to the Ultimate Fighter days, I love him. He I, I, he's only hurt me once against the Askarov fight when he lost to Askar Askarov, and I'm like, oh my god, who's yeah. going to be Askarov? You know, that was Askarov's yeah. best performance. You know, but Pantoja, yeah. that, that's not the thing. Brandon Royval is, isn't Askarov, though. You know what I mean? Like Pantoja has submitted Brandon Royval uh, before, so th I think this is where Pantoja shines yet again, and I think he submits him yet again. I think he's going to get him with a guillotine. Or, or something crazy like that, but it will be he will be submitted, man. Uh, 
Big time number. I, I got. I know I got to let you go soon, but big time number. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson plus four twenty five yeah. against Shavkat Rachmanov in a stand up fight. How do we ignore that? Uh, I'm all over Shavkat there. I think maybe you throw him in the part. Like I just, I I love Stephen Thompson. He's he's an incredible fighter. His style is amazing. I don't see how he's able to weather what Shavkat's going to bring to him. Um, I, I know, I know the fight, the fights begin on the feet and what we saw in Shavkat's last fight against Jeff Neal is like, this dude can stand there and strike with anybody. I, I really rate Jeff Neal very highly when it comes to striking, uh, in that division. And he looked like not only did he belong, but like he was in a different level, um, in terms of ferocity, uh, for a lot of these guys, I'm, I'm high on Shavkat. I, I think that that line is probably right, if not a little a little uh, forgiving to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I, th- I think Shavkat's going to have his way uh, on uh, on that Saturday night. I love it. I, I love how you gave me the uh, no way. Like I like I'm like how do I how do I ignore <laughs> Wonderboy Thompson? And you're just like uh... <laughs> you know what? With with that said, look, here's a quick one for you: Is Shavkat Rachmanov a future welterweight champion of the world. I asked you the same thing about Ian Gary, but now I'm going to ask you the same thing about Shavka. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Absolutely. You're all over this that. This dude is a champion in the making. Yeah. Uh, between him and Hamzat, I thought welterweight was going to be like a meat grinder for the longest time. Now that it seems like Hamzat's going to be pursuing 85, I don't see any anybody stopping Shavka at uh, 170. It seems like it's going to be his division, in my opinion. I, I love it. I love it. I, I love. I love it, man. You know what? You gave me more confidence about it because when, when, you, <laughs> when you're when you're on someone like that, like you just were, it just makes me like, it's like okay, okay, like Eric Scott, like Shavkat in the bank. Like we gotta go with Shavkat. Right, let's go, baby. Yeah. Last one. Last but not least, man. Last but not least, you know we saved the best for last. Tony Ferguson, baby, one of the best walkouts in the game. I'm actually going to go jam out as soon as we're done with this interview. That just might be the <laughs> music to this segment, bro, is Tony Ferguson walkout music. Do you think Tony Ferguson gets the job done against Patty Pimblett? You know, Patty the Batty, baby. I know he brings the party, but this is a, a weird fight, man. This is a tough fight for both fighters. I don't think ultimately Tony's going to get it done. But I also don't think this fight is as far as people seem to make it. Uh, people like to make it seem. I know, you know, Tony's, don't get me wrong, Tony is on a very bad streak right now, but just look at the names that Tony's been facing. Patty Pimblett is not in the category of those guys. Patty Pimblett just lost, in my opinion, to Jared Gordon. Like, you know, Patty Pimblett is a different level of competition. I think Tony's going to be a lot more capable against Patty Pimblett than he's looked in his recent fights. But ultimately, I do think his best years are behind him. And I think Patty Pimblett's just going to be a little bit younger, a little bit more athletic, and a little bit hungrier. Um, and probably be able to edge it. Uh, but I don't think he's out of it. I don't think this is an, a, a situation where we're looking at Tony and just being like, man, the end is so sad. He just can't get it done anymore. I think this is going to be a more competitive fight than people want to believe. Uh, and he'll be in it. Maybe 29-28, maybe a split decision. I don't know how that looks, but I don't think Tony's out. Uh, but I do side with Patty. And there you guys have folks, Eric Jackman from MMAfighting.com. You could follow him on Twitter at New York Rick. Before I let you go, man, one quick question about your Cavaliers. What are you thinking about your Cavs this year? They're going to make a playoff run. And do you think that the Lakers are going to beat the Indiana Pacers in the first ever NBA uh, tournament, in-season tournament, man? What do you think? 
These are great questions. Okay, Cavaliers, yes. I think they're, they're going to make a good playoff run. Even though the rec- they got off to a better start last year and the record was better early last year, I actually think this is a better version of the team. Max Struess has been absolutely amazing um, at, at opening up the floor for their, for their guards, uh, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, who are, are, who are awesome. Uh, Evan Mobley has been super solid. Jared Allen's having a return to like all-star level this year. So I think even though the record is a little bit tough because they had a tough early schedule, they're actually a better team than last year. And I think they're going to have a decent, uh, showing come playoff time. Uh, the East is tough. Uh, but I, but I think they'll be okay. And then as far as the, um, the in-season tournament, which I think is absolutely stupid, by the way. I do think the Lakers are going to beat the Indiana Pacers because the size is just going to be too much. Indy's a small team. They run and gun, and the Lakers are just going to have too much uh, size for them. If LeBron keeps playing like this, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough sledding. So I think uh, I think Lakers over Pacers. All right, man. I can't believe you think the in-season tournament is dumb, though. Oh, come on. Hate you don't like the, you don't absolutely like the excitement? Ludicrous. What do you hate? What no, do you hate there's about gotta, so There's got to be stakes. It can't just be, look. These are just regular season games that are just going to count on the record that they would have played anyway. If there was different teams in it, Ariel Hawani has long suggested like, oh, put some teams from EuroBasket or something in it. Great, I love that idea. Or give the team that wins home court in the first round, or give you know them an additional second round draft pick, or whatever that thing is, whatever the the stakes are. It needs to be more than 500k for each player because that doesn't affect me as a fan. Um, and I need, I need some kind of stakes. I need something different. I need something beyond just like an extra regular season game for the two teams that make it in the finals. Give me something, give, give me some stakes home court in the first round and I'm in and I'll be all in on the end season tournament. You know what? I'm all about it. I love how you said, what, what do the fans get? Not just the players. You're right. And I guess for the, I guess they're thinking the fans get the court, right? The fans get to see the court, the new court. Yeah. <laughs> I'm throwing up at those ugly ass courts. Hell no. You don't like the Charlotte Hornets old court, bro? <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. The Muggsy Bogues. Get the Muggsy Bogues day. <laughs> I do like that colorway, and I do like the Charlotte, the, the Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, Muggsy Bogues era, De, uh, Del Curry, I believe. Um, I love that era of uh, Charlotte. But uh, yeah, we, we could do without these hideous neon colored courts. Pass. Sure. Yeah, let's get some control on that court. That's for sure. Whoa, whoa, whoa. early pick, early pick. Your NBA champion yeah. this year, right now. I know that there's a long ways to go. We're not even to the yeah. to the point where the potatoes and the meat matter. So, what, what right now? What do you think? So, not to not to toot my own horn, but I am going to pat myself on the back here. For the last three years in a row, I've picked the NBA champion in January. So every January, I tend to feel like I have a good sense of who it's going to be, and I'll lay a future out. And I've been right the last three years. This is a little earlier than I'm used to, so I need another month before I lock it, lock it in. But I do think the Phoenix Suns are going to be a little too powerful uh, for everybody else talent-wise. If that, if that roster can stay healthy and KD continues to play at this level, I, I find it hard to, to think anybody's going to be able to match up with them. With all due respect to the Denver Nuggets, who, are, who continue to roll, and Nikola Jokic is like one of the greatest players who's ever played the game and awes me every single time I see him, I do think from one to six, the Phoenix Suns are going to be too tough for anybody come playoff time, as long as they're healthy. Wow, I'm surprised you didn't say my Los Angeles Clippers with all the Infinity Stones that we have. You know, James Harden. <laughs> you know when you when you when you dropped that earlier in the in the uh, pod about you know um, 
how, let's talk about your Cavaliers. I was about to be like, aren't you a Clippers fan? I was going to throw that in there, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to pour dirt. I don't want to pour dirt on that. It seems like they've kind of found their stride a little bit, though. It seems like the early struggles are, are washing away, and they're at least kind of evening out now. So I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they if they go on a little bit of a run. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of James Harden. I actually think James Harden is a good addition to teams. Chemistry is obviously tougher uh, depending on the team. But I like – I like James Harden and what he brings to a team if he's locked in. So I don't, I don't think the Clippers are out out of it, but they need. Uh, I mean, it, it really comes down to is Paul George and Kawhi Leonard healthy? That's the question every single year. If those guys are healthy, you've got two of the best wing players in the league. So I'm not as down on the Clippers. It seemed like everybody was like rushing to bury them and couldn't wait and was so happy and celebrating that Harden went to this team and, and they were losing. I think things will kind of even themselves out and I actually think the Clippers could make a little bit of noise if if they can get into the bottom half of the playoffs no I'm with you bro I'm with you I know the Clippers are missing some things that's for damn sure but they're definitely playing better basketball my pick for the championship if I had to go right now I can't believe I'm going to say this but I'm going to say it is the Los Angeles Lakers if LeBron James plays wow. at this level I know I can't believe I'm saying it but right now uh, they found that flair and that flair is Austin Reeves I think when you find a kid like that and coming off the bench and buying in and giving you those types of minutes, shooting at a high percentage, creating around the floor, uh, making the right type of pass, it just makes everybody around him better, including Cam Reddish. I think the Lakers have pieces, but I think they need a backup center. If the Lakers find a backup center, a good backup center, I think they have a real shot at winning the championship. And I say a backup center because that gives them a real chance on beating the Denver Nuggets. Because then they have two guys going at Jokic and not just Anthony Davis, who's too frail to go up against a Jokic. You know, he's not going to be able to stay out of foul trouble. So I, I, th- I think they need a backup my, center to go up against that. My only fear for them is when the game slows down and it becomes a half-court game in the playoffs and, and you can't get up and run and gun. They they didn't seem to have answers. And this is – I've I, – uh, had a little bit of a friendly bet with a friend uh, about the Denver Nuggets sweeping the Lakers, which turned out to be prescient. Um, I just don't think they have once when the game slows down and they need to get one basket in the half court, this is where they tend to struggle. They don't have that one guy. It used to be LeBron many years ago, but now I don't think he's that guy anymore where you can just go to him and he's going to get you one basket anytime you need one. All the other teams in the West kind of have those guys for the Nuggets. It's not even Jokic. It's, it's more Jamal Murray but I'm, I'm kind of worried about them in the half court. If they can get out and run, then yeah, they're, they're, they're a load. Cause on defense, they're bigger than everybody. And in the, in the open court, like it's really hard to contend with them. And Austin Reeves has been awesome. And I'm a fan of him. Uh, but they ha- they have this one flaw that I, that I can't overlook. Uh, but I'll be curious to see if they can, if they can get it done. Not fun stuff. We have been talking to Eric Jackman, a.k.a. New York Rick. He is the social media director at MMAfighting.com. And as you can tell, he is the future GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, he's not just a one-trick pony, baby. That is Eric Jackman for you guys. Thank you very much, Eric, for jumping on Hit the Bell, man. It's always a pleasure to have you on, bro. No, it's my pleasure, and you're the man, and I always love talking to you. That has been Eric Jackman from MMAfighting.com. And with that said, everybody buckle up. It is time for my NFL Week 14 picks coming up right around the corner from top to bottom. Stay tuned. This is Hit the Bell with me, Matias Perfect. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, ha, and welcome back to Hit the Bell with me, Matias Bell. Special thank you to Eric Jackman for joining Hit the Bell this week. It was fun in UFC Vegas 83, looking ahead to the big-time UFC card next weekend. Colby Covington, Leon Edwards, main event. Let's go, Alexander Pantoja. Brandon Roy Val, co-main event, two belts on the line. That is why we love MMA in any promotion. If there are belt fights, we're all in because the intensity is going to be high. That's for damn sure, man. I'm stoked. And now it is time for best bets for UFC Vegas 83. Let's go. I'm taking the over three and a half with Chris Gutierrez and Song Dong right now. You can find that at minus 170. I think that fight goes all the way uh, late rounds, possibly a decision, depending on how crazy Chris gets if he's down on the scorecards. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to go for broke in these five-round bangers because it's a big fight for both these guys. Khalil Roundtree Jr. against Anthony Smith. I'm taking Khalil Roundtree. I'm also taking the under one and a half. I think Khalil destroys those legs of Anthony Smith and then ends up landing a, sh- landing a shot once Anthony loses his mobility in there. Big, big win coming up for Khalil Roundtree. The Iron Turtle, man, one of my most favorite fights on this card, going up against Andre Muniz at minus 180 right now. I'm going to parlay the Iron Turtle, and I'll let you know who I'm parlaying in with later, but I'm also putting him in at minus 180, and I'm also taking the over one and a half. I think Andre Muniz gets submitted uh, in round three early in round three once he's completely gassed out. I'm taking Jamie Malarkey at plus 175. I think he ends up getting a clean shot against Nasrat Hakbarost. Hakbarost, good boxer. I'm not going to lie. He's going to be using his one-twos. I think he, he might land a couple times on Jamie, but eventually I, I do think Jamie's pace and, and his kickboxing will prevail. I think he will land a big shot and, and change the way that the fight goes. I think it could be smooth sailing at first for Hakbarost, but once Malarkey gets a little desperate and starts you know, fighting for broke and, and doing his whole Jamie Malarkey thing where he's, in, he's literally in every single fight that he's in, he, he will break Hawk Brost. But it's a fun fight. It's a fun fight. I, I'm, I'm telling you what I'm feeling, so let's go. I'm taking Kevin Jusset. This is one of my best bets at minus 155 over Son Canon. I think Jusset 
uh, dominates his fight, and he actually takes it to the scorecard. I think he wins by decision, uh, 30-27. I don't see I don't I don't see Song getting around unless he gets a big shot and knocks him down. And if that's the case, he might win the fight. But I don't I'm not, I'm going with Doucette for sure. I'm also taking Stephanie Egger at plus one thirty five. I know that the four pound weight disparity because uh, Luana Santos did not make weight. She came in four pounds overweight. So I, I'm definitely taking Egger at plus one thirty five because I liked her beforehand. And it makes me hesitate, like I talked about with Eric earlier. But you know, uh, I'm 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 rolling with the punches, baby. I'm rolling with the punches. I'm going taking Stephanie Edgar at plus one thirty-five. I liked it before. I, I still like it now. And uh, a fight that I'm looking forward to watching: uh, Sumadarji against Tim Elliott. And my gut keeps telling me Sumadarji at plus one twenty right now. I think he knocks out Tim Elliott. I think Tim Elliott's days of winning these types of fights have come to an end. I don't see him lasting as long as people think he's going to last, strictly because he took this fight on such short notice. So, so I, I see him getting hurt in there. Also, after cutting the weight again, you know, I, I just don't see him being successful like he usually is in these types of areas, especially now at the age that Tim's at. You know, Tim's not 25 years old anymore. You know, wh wh what's Tim at right now, actually? Let's take a look. Because like me and uh, Tajik Bey usually talk about is the age disparity, right? So... Right now, Tim Elliott, if I'm looking at his age, he's 36 years old. How much longer could this guy go taking fights on short notice and, and playing the three-round gamer and wrestling and groovy Tim Elliott? You know, I love to watch it. He's been doing things for such a long time. But against Suma Darji, guys, this guy is 25 years old, or excuse me, 27 years old and only getting better. Uh, his last fight against Matt Schnell was so badass. And, and I like that he hasn't actually got back in there so soon. He fought in July of 2022 so you know he waited a long time got back in the gym and i'm sure corrected some things i think we're going to see a, a pretty good version of sumadarji come this saturday at ufc vegas 83 uh, but those have been my vegas picks for this coming weekend it's going to be a badass time um i told you guys i was going to parlay something with um the iron turtle park i can't can't wait to see this guy fight at minus 185 and I'm going to parlay him with Melazekiel Costa at minus 265. He's at minus 280 right now. And if we put those two together, it comes out to a great plus 110. So that's what we're going to parlay. The Iron Turtle, Park Jung Young against Costa Melazekiel, man. It's going to be badass. Let's go. Plus 110. That's what we're dancing with. And now, man, I always wait for this because it's. I like to finish the show with NFL and it's going to be a damn shame when it's over because I honestly really enjoy blasting through these games and just rolling baby and that's what we do NFL week 14 picks let's roll DJ hit that music first things first we go to Atlanta where they host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I am taking the Atlanta Falcons money line at minus 160 I don't trust the two and a half points I, I think Atlanta wins this game in home, at home, they're going to play more confident than they did the first time they beat the, uh, the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Kyle Pitts had one of his best games of the season, so I'm taking his over in catches. But I'm still dancing with Mike Evans. And we've been dancing with Mike Evans for a while over here, guys. So that's what we're doing. Mike Evans touchdowns. Mike, Mike Evans over yards. Tampa Bay to lose the game. Atlanta Falcons money line. And they keep going in on the NFC South. And rolling. We go to Baltimore where Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are ready to take on the Los Angeles Rams. The Los Angeles Rams are getting better. They're in the playoff hunt. 
Kerwin Williams is back. Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua. I don't want to mess with this Rams offense right now. As long as Matthew Stafford stays healthy, the Rams are going to be in it. But six and a half points. Yeah, what do you mean? But we're doing the Rams, baby. I think they cover this number. It's going to be a tight game. I wonder who's going to have the last ball uh, in the final possession of that game. Because Justin Tucker, we know how he gets down with the Baltimore Ravens. You don't want to have uh, Lamar Jackson go down the field in the final seconds for a field goal or anything like that. But we're taking the Rams. Six and a half points. Let's see if they win the game. We go to Cleveland. Well, they, they, we go to the Cleveland Browns. We go to Cleveland. With, oh, shit. We go to Cleveland where they will be hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, interesting game here. Trevor Lawrence is a game time decision. I don't think he's playing. That ankle was severely rolled in that game last weekend where they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals at home on Monday Night Football. It, you know, I don't think that his ankle gets better in five days just like that, especially the fact, you know, by the fact that he couldn't even walk off the field. He was helped off the field. He should have taken the cart back to the locker room. He didn't do it. That's just crazy stuff to me, considering I've rolled my ankle in terrible ways back in the day in college. And I just don't understand how how nobody told Trevor Lawrence to sit his ass on that on that you know on the on the on the cart instead of walking his ass all the way down to that locker room. That was berserk. But you know what? He's not playing in this game. I would be completely stunned if he is. And it's on the road in Cleveland against that crazy defense. Cleveland is looking for a big-time win. I think they're going to get it because the Jacksonville Jaguars are banged up. So we're going with Cleveland at minus 150 uh, money line. I'm not taking the three points. That's too heavy for me. And here is an upset special. Just because the Chicago Bears have been playing a lot better than they recently have to start the season over the last four games, I really do think that this team is, is starting to come together, which is a bad thing because it's only going to hurt their draft stock. But I really do think that the Bears win this game at home against the Detroit Lions at plus 155. The Bears are looking for revenge against the Lions, where, you know, the Bears had them in, on Thanksgiving. The Lions come back, win the game. Crazy, crazy things. But this time in Chicago, I think they're going to get their revenge. I think Chicago plays actually one of its best games of the season on Sunday and beats the Detroit Lions. I'm taking the Bears at plus 155. We head to New Orleans, where the Saints, who are starting just a real, real, and real, and they're all banged up. They take on the Carolina Panthers at home. I'm going to put that in a parlay because I do think they're going to win this game. The Panthers, I think, are going to be the last place team uh, when it all comes down to it. I think that they will have the first pick in the NFL draft coming next year. The Saints, uh, a role, doesn't, I don't care who's playing at quarterback for the Saints. If, if it's either Jameis Winston or Derek Carr, I think they'll throw the ball all around the field. I think Kamara will be catching balls out of the backfield as well. Big time game coming up for the Saints. A must win game coming up for the Saints in order to keep their season alive going in the division for the NFC South. Uh, and Derek Carr, like I said, Jameis Winston, doesn't matter. We're also taking Chris Olave over yards. We're also taking Chris Olave to score a touchdown. Let's go. We head to Cincinnati where the Bengals hope to keep their momentum going after their Monday night football win against the Jaguars uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. A Colts team that has been playing well when they weren't supposed to. This team was supposed to be terrible heading into this season. You know, Richardson was their quarterback, rookie quarterback, growing pains. You know how it goes, but no, not the case. The Colts have played great football, you know, competitive football every single game. And now they, they don't even have their quarterback that they started the season with. You know, Richardson, the rookie quarterback out of Florida, he's been hurt with that shoulder injury. Gardner Mitchell has been in there and he's been killing it. He's been throwing the ball around the lot. Downs, Pittman, doesn't matter, down low to Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss. That's what it was. Taylor's out for this game, but Zach Moss has been carrying the rock. Uh, I think the Colts get the job done in Cincinnati. Uh, I don't care that the Cincinnati Bengals 
uh, one on the road against Jacksonville. The Colts defense is much better than, than the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. And I expect the Colts defense to shut down Jake Browning and cause some turnovers and mistakes for the Bengals offense in Cincinnati this Sunday. So I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts plus the two points. I don't want to go money line. I'm taking the I'm taking the points. If it comes down to the last possession of the game, I want those points just in case the Bengals end up winning with a McPherson kick by one point or we push with two. So we're going with the Colts at plus two. We head over to the New York Jets. Man, the New York Jets, are they going to finally get a win against the Houston Texans in New York? No, I don't know. I don't think so. Hell no. What am I talking about? I don't know. Hell no. We're not going with the damn Jets. We're going with the Texans. If it's raining, it's raining. CJ Stroud is going to be throwing the ball around the lot. Tank Dell, no, uh, you know, no take, no Tank Dell after his broken fibula in last week's game. I think Nico Collins has a big game in New York. Look for him to have over his receiving yards and over his catches. I'm taking the Texans at minus 189. We head to Las Vegas where the Raiders take on the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings who get back Justin Jefferson take on the Raiders who are coming off a bye week. Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, I think they're going to have a good game. So we're rolling with the Raiders at plus 135. Josh Dobbs came back down earth. I don't care that they're getting back Justin Jefferson. He, uh, he's going to have his game. He's going to have his yards. He might even have a touchdown. But at the same time, I expect Josh Dobbs to have some mistakes against the Raiders coming off this bye week. I'm rolling with the Raiders, baby. I know that there's going to be a lot of purple in the stands because the people in Minnesota love to travel to Las Vegas, especially when it comes to following their teams. But I don't give a rat's ass. We're going with the Las Vegas Raiders. Big game coming up for that Raiders offense. It's going to be fun in Las Vegas on Sunday. We head to Los Angeles where the Chargers take on the Denver Broncos. The Chargers right now stand at minus 145. I don't, I don't understand that. The Chargers right now, they barely won last week. In New England, 6-0. They couldn't even get a touchdown. This team is not what it was. It, they've been banged up. Brandon Staley is not in the right headspace. We know that for a fact, considering his press game his post press game conference. And I, I strictly just can't trust him. Man. And Denver, I know that they lost last week, but this team they fight and they fight till the very end. Last week against Houston, man, they were just six yards away from winning that game. They needed a touchdown. They almost had it. They were they were knocking on the door. Russell Wilson throws an interception. In the final moments of the game, if he, if, you know, if they catch that touchdown, the Broncos win the game on the road in Houston, where they actually had a major comeback going. So this team fights. Sean Payton has this team fighting, and he's had this team fighting for the last two months. So I, I expect them to, to go down in Los Angeles, where there will be Denver fans. They will be traveling to Los Angeles for this game. You bet your ass is going to be a lot of Denver fans in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. So. It, you know, it's not going to be a road game for the Denver Broncos. It'll be 50-50, and it's going to be a battle. And I'm taking Russell Wilson. He knows how to win games. He, he's proven that. And Justin Herbert has done exactly the opposite of that. He he does not has not proven that he can win games. And this is a big game, and Justin Herbert doesn't win big games. But let's not get it twisted. He's lost Mike Williams. You know, he lost Palmer. He's lost major pieces out of offense. And Austin Eckler is still playing hurt. Austin Eckler had a major ankle injury to start the season. They had to rush him back because, you know, the season was literally unwinding on them. It was it was collapsing all over them. And, you know, Staley's job is on the line. He, need, he needs Eckler back in there. Eckler comes back. He's not 100%. He can't cut the way that he was cutting up field. You know, what, ma what, what makes Eckler so special is the way that he runs, his run style. And when you hamper one of his weapons, meaning his feet, his ankle, you know what propels him to explode, 
You know, that he, he's missing a major part of himself. And then people are saying, oh, Eckler is done. Staley came out and said that Josh Kelly's going to have some more carries because Eckler hasn't been getting the job done. Yeah, no shit, Staley. You know why he hasn't been getting the job done? Because he's playing hurt. You rushed him back, moron. And that's what happens when you are a bad coach and you have your ass on the line. That seat is getting hotter every single week. And it's going to be burning after the Chargers lose a big-time game to the Denver Broncos. Let's go, baby. We're rolling with Denver plus 125. We head to Kansas City where the Chiefs will be without Joshua Pacheco, their running back. The line right now stands at minus 115 for the Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills who need a big-time win. You know, this is a, a great game. You know, going back to the AFC Championship game just a few years ago where everybody thought the Buffalo Bills were going to win. There was like, what? 19 seconds, I believe, or something like that, and Mahomes brings the Chiefs down the field, and they win the game with a field goal, and that is that, you know, and just, just nonsense, nonsense type of stuff, and I don't think Mahomes is going to have that magic here against the Bills, though, and you know what I've learned? Don't bet against Mahomes at home in Kansas City. Uh, this is a big time win. This is a big time game coming up to the Chiefs. I'm rolling with the Chiefs at minus 115. Uh, you know it. You know what I mean? The Chiefs show up in big games at home. They fly around at home. They play better at home. I know they're without Pacheco, but Clyde edwards Flair, Jarek McKinnon's going to be coming out of the backfield. Expect this Chiefs offense to actually maybe have a little bit more fun. You know, throwing the ball quickly out of the backfield. I think the Chiefs have a fun game this Sunday in Kansas City. We go to Dallas. Big time game. The game of the weekend. The Cowboys host the Philadelphia Eagles at home on Sunday Night Football. The Eagles big time loss last week. They're getting Dallas Goddard back this week. They're plus 163. Oh man. This is the type of game where the line wouldn't be like this if the Eagles would have would have won last week. It would be more of a pick'em. So I'm going with the system right here, baby. And I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles money line plus 163. Jalen Hurts has a crazy great game. Expect the boys to show up. Devontae Smith is gonna show up in this game. A.J. Brown is going to show up in this game. Julio Jones might even catch a ball or two. You know that's going down. Let's roll. DeAndre Swift, he's still a little bit banged up. He's a game-time decision. We're going to see if he's able to play. But if not, other running backs on the Eagles will step up. Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell. Expect something out of the Eagles this week. This team is going to the Super Bowl. They're going to beat the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And that's how it will go. You heard it here. Let's roll, baby. And we finish off on Monday Night Football. Big time game coming up. Miami Dolphins host the Tennessee Titans at home. Minus 13. I'm taking it. Tua Tungavailoa, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, A-Chan is back. Mostert sunk in as many carries. This offense is rolling, and they're going to roll big time at home on Monday against the Tennessee Titans. I don't even know if Derrick Henry's going to be playing in this game. We'll, we'll find out come Monday, that's for sure. But we're taking the Dolphins, minus 13. Henry plays or not. And here's another game on Monday Night Football. A doubleheader. Let's go. The New York Giants host the Green Bay Packers. The Packers team that has been playing great football lately. But Giants at home, plus 6.5. I think their defense plays a pretty good game against Jordan Love at home. Where we'll see how Love plays in an outdoor uh, in an outdoor type of game in New York in the cold on Monday Night Football. We're going with the Giants plus a six and a half. I think Saquon Barkley goes over his rushing total as well. That has been my NFL Week 14 picks on Hit the Bell. Woo, we have been rolling. We go right through this thing every single week. Next week, Week 15, we're going to do it all over again. And also UFC 296, every single pick, complete breakdown, the whole deal. We're going to get you ready for the fights. 
on Hit the Bell. That's for damn sure. And I wanted to finish off with some soccer. I told you guys in the beginning of the show, Copa America, the draw has came out. USA will be playing Uruguay, Panama, and Bolivia in their group. And the tournament will open on June 20th, where Argentina will play either Canada or Trinidad and Tobago. I think Canada wins that playoff game, so I expect Canada to be playing in Atlanta against Argentina on June the 20th. Big-time South American clashes in, in, in Group A. Argentina, Chile, Peru, and obviously Canada. So we'll see who survives. But we're going to start breaking down this tournament once we get closer to it. A couple months down the line, it's in summer, in June. So once we get closer to that, we'll, we'll be talking more Copa America. That's for damn sure. But I'm super excited for the for that tournament. I'll be traveling to these games. And I'll be in the thick of things, ladies and gentlemen. That's for damn sure. And with that said, you can hear me Monday Mondays through Fridays on Carver and Lisi. 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific on Sirius XM Channel 159. I am the producer to that show. And we are rolling five nights a week. And also... Let's roll. Go to my Twitter page, at HitBurbell, for my latest information, all my fight news, my fight picks, and everything else in between. We are rolling every single day on HitBurbell on X. Did I say Twitter? I meant X. Let's go, baby. Did you, did you guys notice that, on, that the Twitter thing finally changed on, on your phones? It, it, I, I updated my phone, and I, don't, it's, I always have a hard time finding uh, the app now because now it says X, and it's black. So, it, 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 man, it's been tripping me out. I'm on, honestly, I, I'm looking for X half the time on my phone now, it seems like, and, I, and it takes me a while to find it, but we're rolling with it. So, find me on X at, at Hipper Bell. Let's go. We'll see you guys next week. This has been Hit the Bell. Aloha. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.